I don't know if I'm fearless because I do think the hate is pretty hard sometimes and I do privately take it pretty hard, but I still show up because it's my job because no one else is going to do it for the cast. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Ordinary People Extraordinary Things. I'm your host Cliff Duvinois. You know, when it comes to the world of nonprofits, I love to find those out there who are doing things differently and that is certainly the case with today's guest. She's taken this small local cat rescue and connected it with a large base of raving fans from all across the globe. Please welcome to the show, the animated Abby Engel from Pet Angel Adoption out of Frankenmuth, Michigan. Abby, how are you? I'm good, Cliff. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you for asking. And I know that Abby Engel isn't going to be your name for long because you just got recently engaged. I did. Congratulations. I'll be Abby Krieger. Thank you. I'm so excited. There we go. So we're talking today about Pet Angel Adoption. Why don't you walk us through what Pet Angel Adoption is? So for 20 years, my parents have been running a cat rescue and they accidentally started it. Um, When I was eight, my parents had some feral cats in our backyard. And they had given birth and abandoned the kittens. And my mom had bottle-fed kittens before, so she was like, let's just do this. We can take them in, bottle-feed them, find them homes, we'll be done with it. So, of course, we took them to the local vet to get them vetted, because that's what you do when you bottle-feed kittens, everybody. And they were like, why do you have so many kittens? And my mom explained the whole situation. And then the next thing she knows, they were like, well, hey, this person found a cat, will you take it? And this person found a cat, will you take it? And before we knew it, we had cages of cats in my childhood garage. And my parents said, we can't keep cats in our garage like this. So they had a decision to make, which was, in one hand, just find all the cats we currently had homes and then call it good and get rid of the cages and be done or file for nonprofit paperwork and find a location. And they went with the latter and Pet Angel was born. We moved. So why did they? So let me ask you this question. Why go that route? Why not just get rid of the cats and say, we're out of this business versus going into a nonprofit? Because having a nonprofit is tough. I think that's a question you'd have to ask my mom. But if I was to answer for her, I would say it's because they're good people. There you go. I don't think my parents could just look at all of these homeless cats and kittens and be like, forget you. So I truly think that I, I always say to people that I was born to my parents because this is what I was supposed to do. I mean, God whatever higher power could have put me with any people and he put me with the two people who started an animal rescue and then he like poured into me all this compassion and empathy and I'm just like this is where I'm supposed to be and I think that that also plays a part into like who my mom is I mean Cliff didn't mention it but Cliff also knows my parents very well (laughs) Cliff was my dad's brother's best friend when they were kids there you go so Cliff knows my dad he knew my parents probably before I was even around and so he knows who they are and I don't think my parents could just not. They love animals, my mom specifically. As a child, my brother Alex, he's three years younger than I, instead of going home after school, we went to the cat rescue because my mom was taking care of it alone. That was her full-time job. She didn't. She was a stay-at-home mom. My, my dad worked. So stay-at-home mom became cat rescue and stay-at-home mom. So when she would pick us up from school, we went, we went to the rescue instead of home. So the cat rescue became our playground. I remember as a kid, we would keep our snow gear at the rescue, like our snow pants and our jackets and our gloves and our hat. And after school, Alex and I would put it all on and the landlord outside the rescue would push all the snow in the parking lot to like the sides of the parking lot. And we would dig tunnels and we would play in the snow for hours while my mom's meeting with adopters and cleaning cages and doing paperwork and all the cat rescue things that you need to do. We would keep our little like razor scooters at the rescue and like play on the parking lot. So like my childhood memories 
are of the cat rescue. We now have like free roam apartment rooms. But before that, it was dog runs that we used as the free roam rooms. And one dog run was quote unquote mine. And one was Alex's. And we would just spend time in these runs. And we would pretend they're our offices. And when adopters would come in, I'd try to convince them to adopt a cat from my quote unquote run. And Alex would try to convince them to adopt cats from his run. And so that was like my introduction to cat adoption. When I got older, I got a lot of volunteer hours because I was volunteering at a cat rescue every day of my life. So I was lucky to get some scholarships and get recognized for volunteer hours. And then when I graduated, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I got a degree in communications, which I loved. My minor is in PTW, which is professional technical writing. I love to write, which I think reflects in my cat biographies that I write now at my job. But I also got the job of being the Bavarian princess here in town in 2018. So I needed all of the weekends off in the summer to tour as princess because I had to go and be in parades and represent Frankenmuth. And I couldn't find a job straight out of graduation that would give me the time off. But my mom needed a rescue worker and I needed a job. So the agreement was for my princess, Ray, and I would work at Pet Angel. And then I'd find another job after I gave up my crown at the end of in 2019. Well, now it's 2023 and I'm still here. I'm not leaving until the rescue leaves. With regards to the rescue, it's not just the simple process of people walking through the door and picking out a cat. There's you know application that they've got to fill out everything. Walk us through that process. Well, actually, I think this is going to be the first place I talk about this because I've come up with a new way to describe Pet Angel. We're not just like any other animal shelter where you can go in, you can meet all of the cats that we have available and pick whichever one you want because that's not realistically how picking an animal works. And I don't think that everybody really realizes that. You need the perfect match for your family and every cat needs the perfect match for them. So that's what we do. We help you find your perfect match instead of just finding a cat. I take into account your other pets, how active your home is, how many people you have in your home, what your home is like, and what you want in a cat to be able to find the perfect cat for you. So if you have, let's say it's just you, just you, Cliff, you don't want to have any other pets. It's just you. You don't plan on having anybody else in your household for the next 10 years. And you want an active, playful cat that'll just interact with you. But like, you know, you will go interview people all the time. So someone who can be independent while you're off doing interviews for your podcast, I'd be able to find you a cat that would love to cuddle and greet you at the door, but is also going to be good solo when you're gone. They're not going to like climb your curtains or destroy things. But I feel like sometimes when people go into an animal rescue, they see that super cute cat in the cage. They don't ask, oh, what's his personality like? Does he like kids? Does he like other cats? Does he climb curtains? What's his history? They don't know that and you don't know that. So you just kind of get thrown in with a cat you know nothing about. And then you have to try to figure it out. And that's why I don't think adoptions last all the time. So we've altered the way that I do my adoptions. So let's say you're a family of five coming in to meet cats. If I have a cat who doesn't like children, I'm not going to show you those cats, which I think makes sense. But now I'm not trying to talk shade on other rescues here, but I don't feel like other rescues really always take that into consideration. Well, I think there's just a, a marked difference, too, between people that are just thinking, get the cats out of here mm-hmm. without really thinking about the fact that that people could take the cat home like you were talking about before. So people look at a cat, they think it's cute, they take it home, but the cat wants to have nothing to do with the kids. Yep. So the kids are crying because the cat doesn't want to play with me. The cat's always mean. So what do they do? They bring the cat back. Exactly. Right? And want to exchange it for another cute one that's in there. So with that being said, how do you go about judging the, I guess, quote unquote, personalities 
of the cats to determine, well, this one likes kids. Oh, this one likes to be by itself. This one needs another cat for companionship. How do you go about judging that? Sometimes it's easy because the cat will be surrendered to me with that information. For example, I have a cat right now who was surrendered because she did not get along with children in the home. So that's why the family couldn't keep her anymore. So it's obvious to me she's not going to do well in a home with children again. But I also have volunteers who are my lovely quote unquote guinea pigs. And I can ask them, hey, when you came in with your six-year-old last week, how did Sunny do? And they can let me know, like, Sunny doesn't really interact with my six-year-old when we're at the when we're volunteering, or this one hides whenever he comes into the room. So I can figure that out by process of elimination with my volunteers. It is hard with dogs because I can't bring a dog into my animal rescue because they're not our animal. And we can't just let animals that aren't fully quarantined interact with our animals for illness reasons. So for that, I just base it off of personality. If they're really, really scared when I walk in the room, if a Great Dane walks in the room, they're probably also going to be really scared. If a cat is so shy that, like, you, they don't come out very often unless they eat, drink, or go to the bathroom, they're probably not going to be comfortable to come out to interact around any dog. I have a small dog at home, so sometimes I'll use, could this cat handle my dog, Doodle? Doodle's not very big. If they could handle Doodle, I feel like they could handle any dog. (laughs) Right. So I kind of sometimes take that into consideration, too. But sometimes it's just easy to tell when you interact with a cat. I have one right now. He's a face biter. He's not being mean. He just likes to nibble on your face. But obviously, I'm not going to give a family with a newborn baby a cat that bites faces. So, No, you definitely would not (laughs) want to do that. Some people might, though. So I always make sure people know, like, I don't want you to just find a cat. I want you to find your perfect match. Because like you said, I don't think it's fair for a kid to have a cat that hates them. And I don't think it's fair to a cat to have a home where they hate someone in the home. So I'd rather find that cat a home where they like everybody and find you a a cat that would love your kids and want to sleep in bed with your kids. I have cats that'll do that. It's just whether or not you like the looks of them, I guess. So now what is your track record as far as placing cats inside of homes? I mean, I don't know if you know exact numbers off the top of your head, but I mean, is it like really good? Do you see a lot of people bringing their cats back when they're done? So when I took over Pet Angel, I did, I do feel like I helped change the way that we did adoptions because I saw a lot of returns when I first started full-time. And one of the things I wanted to do was stop returns. I wanted to make sure when a cat go, goes home, they're going home to their forever home, unless for like a dire emergency, like an owner passes away or something like that. And so I did think that that cut back on adoptions a little bit, but it also cut back on our return rate which I consider if a cat is adopted and returned three weeks later, that's not a true adoption number, in my opinion. They were returned, so I don't count that as an adoption of the year. But the pandemic really did play a really big part into our adoption numbers, and it still is today. So I didn't really talk about how many adoptions we did last year because it was very low. And that's because a lot of people, when they went into the pandemic and had all this time off, they went and adopted animals. And then when they all went back to work in 2021 and 2022, they all returned the animals to the shelters. So right now the shelters are in a bit of an epidemic ourselves. And I don't know if a lot of people know that we are, but we're overcrowded. We don't have adoptions. We just have more people wanting to bring us cats. And we're also now a no-kill state, which means 90% of the animals going into kill shelters are not euthanized. I'm a no-kill shelter, so that statistic doesn't matter for me. But for the state of Michigan, that just means that we eliminated eliminating of animals, which is great. That's what we want to do. We don't want to euthanize them. But we also didn't come up with 
what we're going to do with the surplus of animals that we now have. So all of our animal rescues are full. Everybody wants to keep bringing us more, which is contributing to the dumping of animals now. So it's all just bleeding over and is a little crazy right now. I do think that's also playing into what I'm calling the epidemic of rudeness in the animal welfare world because so many people have animals they want to return, but we're all full. So people are getting upset, acting out towards us in the animal welfare industry. And a lot of people I know from other shelters in the state are actually leaving the industry because it's too emotionally tolling for them right now. Sweet Moses. Yeah, there's a whole other component right there. What I'd like to do is I would like to, because you were talking before about the personality that your cats have. Yeah. So what I'd like to do is I want to talk to you about how you are leveraging social media to mm, get your message yes. out and to connect with your audience. Because one of the things that you do really well on Facebook I read your post whenever you've got, you know, hi, my name is Timmy. Yes. And there's some post about, oh, well, I like kids and I like to snuggle. And you really do an excellent job of painting a personality around a cat, not only to, you know, let people know that, hey, there's, there's this really cute cat here, but also get the message out to people that if they are looking for a cat, here's one that might be a good fit for you. But first off, how did you come up with the idea to start giving your, your cats these I guess, backstories on social media. I call them resumes. So the well, idea was, I don't know if you've seen the little like documents I make where it actually looks like a job resume, but every cat at the rescue gets a true quote unquote job resume made for them that I hand make and takes a really long time, <laughs> but I do it. <laughs> and it's a resume for them to be your new house cat. Um, I came up with it because I went to school. Well, my minor is professional technical writing, like I said. And one of the things that we did in that was make resumes. And that was my favorite part of PTW when I was in college. I love making resumes. All of my friends like ask me to help them make their resumes because it's like a secret love of mine. So I'm like, heck yeah, I want to make resumes all, all the time. I love doing this. So I'm going to make them for the cats. And I get to personalize it and make it all cute, which is what I love to do. But I also get to do it about an animal that I love. I don't think a lot of people know how long an animal is with us before they go up for adoption, but all the animals have to be quarantined for at least 10 days before they can even be considered or moved. And I don't put them up for adoption. Oh, 10 days is up. They're up for adoption. I move them out of our isolation room at that point, And I wait until they're comfortable in their new environment, whether that's a cage, a free room room, something like that, before I put them up for adoption. So I usually know them for at least a month before they go up. And in that month, I'm interacting with them from the state of they're absolutely terrified hissing, growling, hiding when they arrive to they're crawling all over my lap and cuddling on day 30. So I get to know their personality a lot. I know their backstory because I'm the one that took them in. So I can tell you where they came from. I can tell you why they were surrendered. I know their personality because I've been the one that's working with them every day and socializing. And I can see them interact with the other cats. Oh my gosh, they love the other cats. Okay, they'll do great in a home with other cats. You mentioned I do have some pairs it's very obvious which ones don't want to leave each other. So when you see that happen, I can say like, okay, these guys need to be a bonded pair. They won't even, I can't take this one out of the room without the other one screaming their head off. They need to be together. I think it's just like, you know, when you know a lot of people, it's kind of like asking a teacher, like how they make their classroom seating chart. They kind of get to know the students and know, okay, these two can't sit next to each other. I know which two cats cannot be in the same room together. <laughs> But I also think that that helps a lot with placing them into their homes. The added aspect of this as well is it's more than just putting a photo onto Facebook. Oh, yeah. And say, here's a new cat. By writing up that cat resume, mm -hmm. as you called it right there, first off, people love your stories because people you. are liking your posts, they're hearting your posts, they're commenting down below, they're doing everything, which from a social media marketing standpoint, 
that's what you want. You mm-hmm. want to put content out there that people are going to engage with. But these people seem to get really emotionally invested in what it is that you're doing. Yeah. It might be because I think it's somewhat cats. I do think, you know, you bring animals into something and you love the animals because who doesn't look a cute cat? I mean, let's be honest. Every time you see a cute animal on social media, you stop for a second to look before you keep scrolling. You gotta. But I also think it's just the story aspect that I bring to it. I'm not just, here's a cat. They're fully vetted. They need a home. I'll tell you everything about them, everything that I possibly can, because I want them to find the perfect home and I want you to find the perfect cat. And I feel like that's the best way to do it. Sometimes I feel like I get down on myself. Like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm full imposter syndrome, I guess. I, and I get it a lot. Oh my gosh, how am I any better? How, how can I be the person to decide whether or not these people get cats? Like, how can I be this judgmental? I hate judging people and I'm the one that judges applications. Like, so I hate doing that. (laughs) But other times I look at, I read my own bio or I'll read a story that I wrote and I'll cry. I'm reading my own writing and I'm tearing up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I guess I am kind of good at this sometimes. (laughs) So sometimes I feel like everybody, I feel like feels like that. Like nobody knows what they're doing. And I don't want anybody listening to this be like, oh my gosh, Abby totally knows what she's doing. Cause I'm winging this 100% 24/7. But if you tell me something works, then I'm just going to say, okay, well that works. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And this works. So I just keep doing it. Well, I think for any either business or nonprofit out there, you kind of have to experiment to find out what it is that's really going to resonate with your particular audience. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of audience, Let's talk about you and TikTok. Okay. Because that seems to be where you're really shining. Yeah. So how how many people are following you now on on TikTok through you your- get a live number? Let me uh, open up TikTok quick. So right now we're at 219,000.8. So 219,800. Is that what that is? 219,800. Yeah. 219.8K. So that's a lot. Um, I'm at 5.4 million likes on TikTok as well. And would you believe me if I told you I have no idea what I'm doing? That's perfect. (laughs) I truly wing a lot of my TikTok. So I have worked with a couple companies now. Um, But when I started TikTok, just like everybody else, I downloaded it during the pandemic. I was staying home. We were supposed to. But I have an animal rescue. We can't just not go to the animal rescue for three weeks. I was going in not every day because I wasn't working full days, but still to take care of the animals, to check on them, to see things. And I'm bored. I The phone's not ringing. I have no applications. I can't do intakes. I can't do outtakes. I can't do anything. So I just made a TikTok of the cat rescue because I'm sitting in the building for by myself all day long doing nothing. So I'll make a TikTok. And it blew up. People wanted to see my cats. People had questions. People wanted to know more about me. So I told my story. Oh, this is how my parents started my cat rescue. Oh, here's the, this cat. This is, and I just explained our rescue, you know, oh, they're all fully vetted. Oh yeah, like no, we're a no kill shelter. Oh yeah, they stay with us till they find a home. Yeah, we have free roam rooms. They don't all have to stay in cages. People loved it. Sometimes I think some people come to my channel just for the cats. Sometimes I think people come to my channel just for me. Whatever you come to my channel to, I'm just glad you're there. So let's talk about some of the the real tangible benefits of TikTok. Have you been able to raise money through TikTok? Have you gained... I don't want to say notoriety, maybe, you know, you've garnered some, some real attention from people. Talk to us a little bit about that. So there's good aspects of TikTok and there's bad aspects of TikTok. So I kind of want to talk about both. The good is we've benefited from it in so many ways, not only from being able to reach people globally. Like I have followers from the other side of the world who send 
not even like monetary donations, but they'll buy things off our Amazon wish list and send them to the rescue. So we're getting more donations than we ever have before from people all over the world who have never heard of us or even know me personally. They just want to send my cats a cat, a, you know, a cat tree. And we love that. We love to see it. I feel like sometimes there's some people who aren't so nice to. It's the internet. Yeah. yeah. And so that I feel like it gets hard to show up on TikTok for me. Sometimes I won't post for a little bit just because I'm a very empathetic person and I don't think people realize that I do read the comments. So I'll see something, you know, someone could be really great. Bring, like it brings in a lot of donations. So many people from this one video brought the one bad comment. I don't want to post for a week. So even though it's benefiting my rescue and my cats are seeing success, it's I'll, I've cried over comments probably this week alone people will reach out they don't think i see it they don't oh she has 200 followers she doesn't see my dms i see the dms and they're not kind and i don't answer most of the not kind ones but i see them so it kind of is the the two coins i have people from other sides of the world who are reaching out sending donations people who have lived left us in our will in their wills we don't even know them and they've left us in their wills I've had adopters find us on TikTok. I've gotten to work with amazing brands that all of us use every single day. I've made money myself, not only just for the cat rescue, but people have paid me for who I am for things. And I've never imagined that in a million years. But then on the flip coin, I open my comments and people are calling me names and saying, I did this in my video, so I'm a bad person, or I didn't post, so I'm a bad person. And... So there's both of it. <laughs> it's really helping the rescue, but sometimes it's really damaging my self-esteem and my personal worth. Because a lot of who you are is wrapped up in this because you are literally sharing your story as you go. Yeah. I'm not a character. I'm not an actor. I'm not. Well, I think you're a character. <laughs> I'm not. A, well, I guess I shouldn't <laughs> say a character in a book. I'm not like a made up person that this company has put me on to be their spokesmodel. I'm the only employee at Pet Angel. I'm the face of the place. I'm the employee of the place. And I'm also Abby Engel, not Pet Angel. I have other things I do in my life too, not just cat rescue related. So it's really hard for me to like unravel the two sometimes. So if someone gets really upset that I am not taking a cat from them or I didn't, I, their application was denied for some reason, they'll take it out on me and I take that personally. So I've been trying to put up some boundaries a little bit on social media. Um, like, I don't always answer personal DMs anymore. Um, they have to be directed to, like, Pet Angel's account if they're Pet Angel related, just to protect myself a little bit more. When you were talking before about these negative comments mm -hmm. that were coming in and how it takes a little bit of an emotional toll and you're, you don't post for a week, mm -hmm. you know, you need to take a break. How do you overcome that to get back onto the social media bandwagon to get back onto TikTok. What, what is your thought process that, that helps you to flip that switch to say, okay, yesterday I wasn't going to do it, but today I'll do it. Usually an idea for a video. If I don't have an idea for a video, I'm probably not going to show up if I'm having one of those bad days. Sometimes I'll be scrolling on TikTok at bed and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I love this sound. This is what I could do with it. I save it and I make it the next day. And then it just I'm okay again. There's no bad comments on that video. I'm okay. It, I think it depends on the comments though too. If it was something really bad, if they've been continuing 
I'm going to probably not post for a little bit because I want that person to kind of forget I existed before I start posting again. I do block people, but people don't care. They make a second profile and find you. There's hate watchers. They count as a view, so thanks for the view. But sometimes I wish people wouldn't leave comments that are mean. If you don't say anything, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Should be a rule still. So TikTok has actually had a lot more benefits yes. for the rescue. Yes. And there definitely has been a benefit to, you know, for, for lack of a better term, for being fearless Yeah. to go on TikTok because not a lot of people would do that. I don't know if I'm fearless because I do think the hate is pretty hard sometimes and I do privately take it pretty hard, but I still show up because it's my job because no one else is going to do it for the cats, so... If I don't, like, we lose all of these followers. We lose all of these donors. And I feel like it's kind of riding on me to, to keep them entertained so they'll keep helping us. I think that it's like a give-serve. I give them the cat content. They give us donations. <laughs> but it works out. And there are some really great people. I've met some people on TikTok that I wouldn't have known otherwise. And now they're like, I've never met them in real life. We just talk on social media because they've become great supporters of our rescue. I'm sure they're listening to this because they support us so much. They'll listen to anything I post. Anything that has to do with the cat rescue, they'll be there. So I'm sure they, they're listening. And they're like, yeah, oh, my God, that's me. It is you. Hi, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so wonderful. Being able to create relationships over social media like that. Yeah. And I don't even know them. They just love our rescue, love what we do. And they're there for us. And I mean, we had, uh, I have two cats, their name's Sunny and Bunny. Last year they had to have, they have, I think it's pronounced periodontal disease. Okay. And they had to have full dental work done, teeth pulled. Bunny got most of his teeth pulled during the surgery. And we found out they had it and they needed the surgery pretty quickly. And we did not have the money for two cats to get dental surgery at the same time. And I made a TikTok about it. And by the end of the day, I had enough money for both of those cats to get their dental surgery plus more. So... I'm able to get things that never before were possible because of TikTok. Like Bunny and Sunny would have had to wait months before for us to raise enough money for them to get that surgery. And I was able to schedule it the next day. I don't really want to talk about FIP a lot because it's really complex. And I definitely cry when I talk about it. But FIP is a really bad fatal disease that is kind of coming up in the cat rescue world right now. If you're worrying about it for your animal, you don't need to. It usually only happens when there's a lot of animals that are together. It has to do with the feline coronavirus. It's very complex. You can look it up if you want. It's called FIP. But it hit our rescue two years ago, and we lost a couple cats to it. A few of them are very dear to my heart. My bottle feed babies, my that I bottle fed had them. Um, I lost one of them, and two of them are now our office cats. They are FIP survivors. But because of TikTok... I believe those cats survived FIP because I wouldn't have been able to afford the medication. It is so, so expensive. We currently have a cat who has FIP. She's in foster care. She is on the medication, but it's very expensive. And I don't think we'd be able to even do this medication and save their lives if I didn't have TikTok followers who are giving us views, which is giving us donations. So I think it's safe to say that making that investment into creating these little short videos on TikTok, creating this content, sharing the story has paid off for you in spades. TikTok has saved cats' lives, for sure, at my cat rescue. And I don't think that people realize it. Like, I don't think when people watch my TikTok, they're like, oh, I just, I'm making a difference. But you are, like, you truly are. When people leave, like, a comment, that spikes the video. When people like the video, that spikes the video. Like, all of it's helping. I don't Even think... when people watch the video, Yeah, just watching it, it helps. 
I don't joke when I say like a dollar donation. If you make one dollar donation on Facebook, we get that whole donation from Facebook. They don't take a portion of a donation made through there. So that or like PayPal or something like that, that one dollar is making a huge difference because, you know, 50 people could make a one dollar donation and that's fifty dollars. Certainly. So I don't think people realize like, yeah, you know, one view, one full watching a TikTok on one full video might give them one cent. But that's five thousand people doing that at once. That's going to make money an hour. So it helps. Everything helps. I I appreciate TikTok. I really do. I know I was talking trash on it sometimes. It really is hard sometimes to just show up on it every day, but I'm finding ways to manage it. One thing I have been doing is bulk making my TikToks so I don't have to show up on TikTok every day to make a video. I can just make four in one day and then I don't have to make a video for three days. And that's been helping me a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Batching. Yes. Don't have to get myself fully ready and show up on camera when I'm not feeling it. Certainly. Abby, for our audience, if anybody's listening to this and they want to connect with you, learn more about pet angel adoption, maybe even find you on TikTok and leave you a nice comment. <laughs> yes, How could please. I do that? How could I do that? So I am Ace Engel, which is just A-C-E-E-N-G-E-L on all social media platforms. And then Pet Angel Adoption is just Pet Angel Adoption. On TikTok, it's just me. Pet Angel does not have their own TikTok. It's my TikTok. We are one, <laughs> which is just the Ace Engel. <laughs> Um, And then on Facebook, it's just Pet Angel Cat Adoption and Rescue. I don't use my personal Facebook for, like, cat stuff, so don't look me up on there. Just look up Pet Angel's account. I'm the one that answers everything on there. And for our audience, you can go to TotalMichigan.com, click on Abby's interview, and get all the links that she shared with us today in the show. And please take a moment to donate to their great cause. If you are interested in having these stories sent directly to your inbox, head over to our website at TotalMichigan.com slash join. Give us your email and we'll send you our top five interviews along with the powerful lessons that I've learned along the ways talking to these people that are doing really extraordinary things. You'll also get an invitation to join our private Facebook group as well as advance notice of upcoming guests and great behind the scenes stories. Once again, that's totalmichigan.com slash join. And I'll catch you in the next episode.